Ooh. <laughs> Welcome back to another full week, full bullshit recap. I hate fantasy football, brothers. My brothers in Christ, my sisters in Kwanzaa, hate it. I like I legitimately could not imagine waking up today and thinking a thought through my mind that said something like, I like fantasy football. Just could not be me. Came in here, there was already a thumbs down and only two thumbs up. Someone's already pissed. Someone got cold for Christmas. On that note, Merry Christmas. All right, enough yapping about that. We're past it. We're on to 2024. Let me tell you a little little something about how my leagues went this weekend. We're going to go through every single game. Don't worry, as we always do. We did it Tuesday instead of Monday. I'm sorry I wasn't here uh, at 2 p.m. Eastern time on Christmas Day. I do. I am actually a human being. I do have a life. I do have a family. I do have other things to do besides yapping to the camera, unfortunately. Otherwise, I would have been here for you guys, of course. But I'm here now, Tuesday, and I will release the waiver wire video for those of y'all that are still in your championship matchups. That will still be going live. I'll film that immediately after this, and then I'll edit it. It'll probably go up around 4 or 5 p.m. Eastern time if I had to guess. So check that out on the channel if you are watching this afterwards. I got you. There's not much to cover. I honestly might just do it at the end of this video now that I think about it. There, there aren't a ton of uh, great waiver wire pickups, but the waiver wire rankings are live on the site right now, bdge.co. They go live every noon Eastern time, every Tuesday, um, and then this is probably the last week. This is probably the last week of that. Maybe I'll get into some Week 18 stuff, depending on how many of y'all comment saying you still have matchups in Week 18. My hair getting long, bro. Should I just, should I just fucking grow out a mullet? I was actually kind of thinking about that. I haven't changed my hair up in, it feels like years. This is like borderline the longest I've had my hair in a long time. And I really don't hate how it looks. I'm thinking maybe I grow the back out. Maybe I grow the mullet out and clean up the sides. What do we think? For the off season? Hey, what are we thinking? We're also, maybe exciting news for some of y'all. Maybe you don't give a fuck. Uh, we're going to launch a dynasty only channel. For BDGE. So rather than mixing and matching some videos here, some videos there, for y'all, for those of y'all that play in Dynasty, we are right now going through the process of kind of bearing down and interviewing some creators in the Dynasty field. Uh, so if you have any suggestions that you like that you would most importantly fit the brand, hopefully they live in the area because we'll be doing it live in studio. Uh, we're looking to bring on some Dynasty content creators because we are launching the Dynasty only BDGE fantasy football channel. Um, so that stuff, that content will be only Dynasty for the 47th time. Um, maybe I'll link that. I think I created it, but we don't have any content out. I don't think we'll have any content out until maybe around the Super Bowl, maybe a little bit before then. So I don't want to hype it up too much. You know what I mean? One thing I can hype up were my matchups yesterday. They weren't good. We'll go through, um, you know, I tweeted this out. So if you're not following me on Twitter, you know, I, that's where I do most of my venting at Nick Ercolano. Pretty, pretty simple. I had a matchup, uh, probably my most important league, the league that I like the most, the league that like if I had to choose one league to win, it would be this league. Uh, I went 12 and two in the regular season, most points scored, first place, got the bye week, so I didn't have to play last week. And then this week, my team puts up a, I want to say it was a season low, like 98 points. Between Howell, it's a super flex league between Howell, Howell and Cortland Sutton, I got 0.24 points. 0.2 I ended up losing by like 14 or 16. So if those two would have stepped the fuck up 
Like, you know what's great about fantasy is they're dead to me forever. Like, those guys are dead to me forever. They're literally dead. I'll never forgive them for that shit. So, dominated the regular season. First week of the playoffs that I played in, had the bye. Season low. Season low in points. Welcome to fucking, welcome to fucking fantasy football. League number two. I put up 180 points, which, you know, you might be saying, ah, like, we don't know your league settings. 108 points is a lot of fucking points in that league. I had Amari Cooper. He had 50 points for me. Full PPR. He got me 50 points. I lost because the other person put up 189 points when I had 180. Lost that league. I'm like, cool. We got Cooper. We got all these fucking players going Yabby over here. L. I beat Austin Eckler. So some of y'all probably been following since the summer. I'm in a league with Austin Eckler. Like Matt Harmon, who does Reception Perception, worked at Yahoo. Still might actually work at Yahoo or do video for them. Um, he started a league. He's he, he does a podcast with Austin Eckler. They co-host it together about fantasy football. He started a league. So it's like uh, I was in it. Matt was in it. Austin Eckler's in it, and then a bunch of people around the industry, Ray G, um, JJ Zacharyson, Josh Norris from Underdog, et cetera, all those guys. So I did really well in that league. I'm in the semifinals, played against Austin Eckler himself. He's pretty fucking good at fantasy. He's better at fantasy football than he is in fantasy football as a player on your roster. Uh, so I ended up beating him, which is cool. So I'll be in the finals against Chris Harris. His team is fucking stacked, and I got Waddle and I got Raheem Mostert. Both those guys got injured. I think the rest half of my fucking team got injured this week. So I probably got no chance. But Austin Eckler's in the league, so it's not like we could do a buy-in there. It is obviously a free league because he can't play otherwise. We put his salary on the line. Also, I brought the dad back. My family was not happy about it. Brought the dad back at Christmas dinner. My mom was like, Can you pass? Can you pass the rice? And I was like, And she was like, Never mind. Won't have rice anymore. Also, you know, we're talked, of course. We're going to get into the games, I promise. I just wanted to, you know, I want to connect with y'all. Let you know how I'm feeling. Vent a little bit. Tell you how fucking pissed off I am about fantasy football. Like, there's just nothing I like about it. Like, I find no fucking enjoyment from it on this this terrible Tuesday morning. Because that's the shit that happens. That's the shit that happens. You work all year. And it's not even, it is all year for me. Like, Next week's games are done, and guess what? We're in the fucking 2024 mode. And I prepare from that minute up until, like, right now, this stream of the following year, and to fucking lose like that? Oh, my God. What are we doing, Nikki? I need to find a new career path. I really do. All right, all right, all right, all right. We'll jump into the games. If you guys are going to keep fucking yelling about it. Let's start with last night's game. Baltimore at San Fran. We're also doing it a little bit differently for uh, for this stream. I just took screenshots of all the games. I hope you guys don't mind. If you do, I don't really give a fuck. Um, I took screenshots. And I just realized right now that I didn't screenshot the scores of the game. Uh, hopefully, I can remember who won all the games. We know for sure that Baltimore won this game. They spanked the shit out of San Fran. And Brock Purdy basically um, ripped himself out of the MVP race. You had the top three odds MVP 
candidates in this game in Lamar, Brock, and Christian McCaffrey. I haven't checked the lines this morning. I'm going to assume that Lamar is probably a very slight favor right now. There are still two games left, so I think anything can happen. You know, if Tua in Miami beats Baltimore and then goes on a streak, they can win. If both, you know, I think I think there are a lot of players still at um at large for the MVP race. But Lamar was precise in this one. He was good. He he, he took what they gave him. They didn't get a lot of pressure here. Uh, Gus was fine. He got in from the goal lines. A Flowers got a ton of work, 13 targets in this one. As you can see, the next leading receiver, four targets. So good game from him. Continues to be the top target getter here. For Lamar, Isaiah Likely continues to be a guy that you could play in your lineups uh, week in and week out as a tight end filler. The running back situation, obviously, without Keaton Mitchell, I this is this is exactly what Gus Edwards is. He did catch a big ball, which was huge, obviously, for the stat line. But if he doesn't score a goal line touchdown, we're looking at a relatively disappointing day. So you could probably do better in your championship game. On the flip side, Brock Purdy did suffer a stinger. I think he should be back next week, most likely. Uh, C-Mac did his thing. George Kittle did his thing. Brandon Ayuk did his thing. Debo finally had a down game, although he had 12 fucking targets. Oh, I needed eight more points from um, from Debo and Isaiah Likely to win that 180-point game. Full PPR, tight end premium. Couldn't get it fucking done. Four for 47, Debo. Either way, you know what you're doing. You're starting everybody here um, next week in San Francisco. Let's move to Indy at Atlanta. You know what? I've been so negative this video that we need to, we need to work our way back up into the pauses before I fall back off again. Huge win for Atlanta. I don't know if you guys have heard. I'm not sure if you guys have heard the news, but the Super Bowl, once again, runs through Atlanta. We're still alive. We're still alive, baby. And this is how you stay alive. You play against a backup quarterback who has no wide receivers alive. That's how you stay alive. That's Atlanta Falcon football, baby. Sorry. I might have taken some Adderall this morning. Because we're moving office spaces. Like within, wow, this is happening really soon, which I'm really fucking excited for. Moving office spaces. So you will be watching videos for me come, let's say like three weeks from now with a new set. We're probably going to keep it as similar as we can to this, but we'll be in a new office. So I've been packing up. We have so much shit in here. We have so much shit in here. It's like y'all have moved apartments before. Or even houses, right? I forgot. I live. I've lived in the city, New York City, for too fucking long. I forgot people live in houses, and I can't imagine what the packing for that shit is like. But y'all have moved, and it's like one of those things where you just keep s s like packing stuff, and then you pack the fat box. You're like, this shit weighs two hundred pounds. I put so much in here, and then you turn around, and it looks like nothing was packed. That's what the Atlanta Falcons run game is. It's like we just chip away and we chip away and we chip away and we look back and we're like, Bijan, Algier, Patterson, carry, carry, carry. And we look back and we're down by fucking 17 points. Story of my life right now. Um, So that's a case in point. I think that's probably why I took Adderall because when I take Adderall for some reason, well, not for some reason, if anyone's ever taken Adderall, you know, you just get into zones where you just start cleaning shit. It's like, it's, it's fucking insane. Like you take it, and then two hours later, your apartment you you turn into a professional maid, turn into a goddamn maid. That's what I was today. So I've been packing shit up. So I came right onto the stream. I was literally my hands smell like bleach and like cleaner because I was washing some of the dishes in our office. So we don't have running water in the office, so I have to take them to the fucking bathroom, 
where the water pressure is awful. It's like it's it's like someone it's like uh, someone just sprinkling stuff on you. So it's taking me six hours to wash our mugs. Um, so I went right from that into this, which is why I was like 92 seconds late. Let's breathe. Let's breathe, Nicholas. You guys are really getting a ridiculous last stream. I'll probably do one next week too, depending on if we have shit in the office or not. Uh, good game for Bijan because he did get it done through the air. Taylor Heineke gets us the win. Algier gets into the end zone, but it wasn't like a goal line touch. It was a 31-yard scamper. He looked pretty good on it. Uh, Pitts finally got into the end zone. Listen, case in point, like, do we trust anybody in this offense again? I mean, Bijan is who Bijan is. He'll randomly put up good days where he's like a low-end RB1, but you're putting him in your lineup and you're hoping that his talent uh, supersedes Arthur Smith's talent to make him not succeed kind of thing. Please stop giving the thumbs down, guys. Come on here. I work my ass off, and then you hit the thumbs down, and it tells YouTube that they shouldn't show it to anybody else. So it actually hurts my heart when I see that. I know it means nothing to you, but it means a lot to me. I'm finna cry. I'm finna break down. I'm finna break down like a shotgun. All right. Um, do we trust Pitts? Like, not really. I would start many people over Kyle Pitts next week in my championship game. I'd probably start like Tucker Kraft. I feel more trustable in him. He only had four targets in this one. Not great. Um, Drake London had a down game. Started Drake London over George Pickens in a matchup. Those those two, I've been going flip and flop back to the last three weeks, and I've been wrong every time. One of them has had a monster game every time, and I've never picked the right one. It's incredible. It's fucking incredible fantasy football. You can't make this shit up. That's why they call it fantasy, because it's fucking stupid. We should shut it down. You know what movie I was watching yesterday? Fucking uh, Whiplash with the dude from Spider-Man, you know, the newspaper guy. And he always, like, when he's telling his band to stop, he just fucking hits him with a whoosh, like, whoosh. I'm going to start doing that around the office, I think. I'm going to walk in and be like, Jamo, you finished that video? And he's going to be like, yeah, I'm working on whoosh, fucking. Okay. All right. Style it back in. Uh, flip side, Gardner Minshew. Terrible game. Not a great game, but but they play much better at home. And they do have a home game next week against the Las Vegas Raiders, who had an upset over the Chiefs, but much better opponent at home. So Minshew streamable. Jonathan Taylor without Zach Moss. He... Didn't play well, but he got into the end zone, and he took the majority of almost all the work in the backfield, as you could see. 18 carries, Tyler Goodson, one carry, Trey Sermon, two carries. So depending on whether or not Zach Moss is back, I don't think it matters much. I think Jonathan Taylor is probably going to receive about 80% of the carries for this team right now. Uh, we hope that Michael Pittman is back for championship week. He's another guy that probably fucked me in my championship because I had him, and I started him over someone else who played on like Saturday or whatever. And then he got randomly ruled out. So then I had to put in some whatever. I'm done complaining. I promise. Only smiles from here on out. Um, Michael Pittman. Yeah, hopefully he's back. He had the concussion symptom, symptoms randomly pop back in on Saturday, which doesn't make me feel great about it because if you think about it, it's almost like the same timeline from just having a concussion on like a Sunday. Or it's like you got a week to clear from where you started having concussion symptoms. So, I don't know. I'd probably put him at 50-50, but I don't really trust anybody else in this offense. Maybe Josh Downs because the passing environment will be a little bit better at home. And as you can see, he saw nine targets in this one. Didn't turn him into shit, but he saw him. 
nine out of 37 attempts, which is like a 24% target share. You could do worse, but you could probably do better. Uh, you could do worse and better than both of these teams as a fandom. Washington versus New York Jets. Again, Sam Howell, absolutely dead to me. Gets benched at halftime. Jacoby Brissett comes in and leads them to um, a huge comeback against the New York Jets. Chris Rodriguez scores. Two, I didn't even realize he scored two touchdowns. Chris Rodriguez gets in twice. Obviously, Brian, uh, Brian Robinson is still dealing with a hamstring injury, which is... Uh, unfortunate because he probably got a lot of people or at least helped people get to the playoffs. And now he's been out. Chris Rodriguez is getting the goal line work. Antonio Gibson not really involved in the passing game at all, which is what we thought was going to happen with B-Rob out. Um, Terry plays all right. Logan Thomas plays all right. Dotson and Curtis Samuel kind of disappeared in this one. So, again, just really hard to trust anybody in this offense. Um, I don't know who's going to start next week. Is it Howell? Is it, is it Brissett? Howell's gotten benched twice now in the last two weeks two games in a row. So I don't know because all year they've been talking about how like, oh, he's the quarterback of the future, but that kind of feels like Ron Rivera pretending like uh, like he found the quarterback of the future just to save his job. So you bench a guy two weeks in a row, it kind of feels like they're probably going to go with the other guy. They play San Fran next week, who are probably going to put up a lot of points on them. And in return, Washington's going to have to score uh, a lot of points. So Terry's like a wide receiver three, I think. I think you could probably start Samuel again as, as more of like a desperate flex guy, but I'm not excited about anybody in this one. On the flip side, Trevor Simeon played well enough to get Brees Hall cooking. Huge game from Hall. 190 total yards from scrimmage. Holy fuck, 16 targets. He saw 16 targets, which was almost a third of Trevor Simeon's 49 attempts. You're talking about a plus 30% target share from a running back. Goes 12 for 96, 20 for 95 on the ground, two touchdowns. That is like, how many PPR points is this? That's 19 just from yardage. You got 12, 31 from touchdowns, plus 12. So you're talking about 43 points for Brees Hall and PPR leagues. Unbelievable performance. Makes me feel good, but they play Cleveland next week. Obviously a tough defense. They're on the road. Um, so you're starting Brees Hall, but we're not expecting this type of matchup again, obviously. Garrett Wilson, 15 targets. Maybe that's just the formula of Trevor Simeon. Say, hey, we're going to run 70 plays. Half of them go to Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. That is it. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Fuck them. Let's go to New England at Denver. I wish we didn't have to go to it. Disgusting game. Um. Zeke gets in the end zone again, 9 for 33 through the air. So he ends up getting 21 touches. He ends up with 60 yards. He ends up with a touchdown. So he gets home for you if you started him in your lineup, which he's been a great, uh, just a great start since Ramondre's gone down. And you continue to start him if Ramondre continues to be out. Uh, Demera Douglas gives you five catches and anywhere from 45 to 75 yards every single week. So you know what you're getting from him. You don't start anybody else on the Patriots. On the flip side, just a, a gross performance from Cortland Sutton. Dead to me. Absolutely dead to me. Um, finally had his first like down game of the season, of course. I like haven't even in the one league I really started him in. I think this might have been like the first week that I actually started him in that league. Because I have Tyreek Hill, Michael Pittman, and then like C Mac, Alvin Kamara, Brian Robinson, Eckler. So I've been filling those guys up with my my running backs and my flexes. Corlin Sutton, first week I fucking start his dumb ass. 
is what he does. Um, Russ ended up having a good fantasy day, though. 238, two touchdowns through the air, four for 20 on the ground. Javante does get into the end zone, but disappointing day all around. He's been re- he's really, really struggled um, producing on the ground. So he's kind of like touchdown dependent at this point. Denver does play the Chargers next week, which is probably the easiest matchup for fantasy players in the NFL at this point. So, yeah, I'll start Russ. Yeah, I'll start Cortland Sutton if he's still alive because I might kill him by the end of this video. And um, I'll start Javante, too, against the Chargers. They, they clearly want to get him going. I think it'll be next year when he's really, really fully back, two years removed from the ACL, um, you know, full offseason, whatever, all that kind of stuff. I don't, I'm don't. i not, like, fully sold on him being an RB1, but I think for next week they have the matchup. I think they'll let him rip. Um, so, Javante, probably a low-end RB2 for next week. Vegas at Kansas City. Las Vegas upset the Chiefs. And I heard a stat that Aiden O'Connell did not complete a single pass after the uh, first quarter. Aiden O'Connell did not complete a single pass after the first quarter. He averaged three yards per attempt. So this was all the defense of Las Vegas, pick sixes, four sacks on Mahomes, Samir White, 22 for 145 on the ground. It's an unbelievable day for him. And Josh Jacobs, I feel like he's going to be back next week, but we also kind of said that this week. So Zamir White's a dude where in normal weeks, you know, on the waiver wire, again, I, I just got finished with my waiver wire rankings video, and the waiver wire rankings are live right now on bdg.co for those of y'all that are members. Zamir White, I ended up throwing above almost everybody. I can't remember who I had number one, but he was almost above everybody in a normal week. If this was like week eight, he wouldn't have been, right? I'd still have most of the dudes that might have more long-term upside above him. But I put Zamir White in because we got one week left. You're not stashing guys for upside. We don't really care about the Chase Browns and even like the Tajay Spears is at this point, right? You needed to become the starter or you needed an injury to those guys. And now that we're going into the final week, they don't fucking matter. Zamir White might give you a zero, but he's got the highest ceiling given the fact that Jacobs might not play. If Jacobs doesn't play, we got another Zamir White big game. A lot of touches, back-to-back games where he got it done for fantasy. Um, So Zamir White, shout-out to you. Devontae Adams, not shout-out to you. I mean, no one else on the passing offense. This passing offense is not great. It's really inconsistent. You have to be very careful about starting these dudes. On the flip side, Mahomes, bad game. Um... I don't really know what to make of this Kansas City team. I, I think the receivers are just so bad they don't get a lot of separation. And Travis Kelsey is clearly like aging a little bit. He's not the Travis Kelsey that we've known to 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 love over the last five years or so. And when you have your entire offense kind of run through one player, and then he starts to not be a great player anymore, the offense is going to fall off. So normally, when Mahomes is running around, you know, and he's like, "Oh, I need to find a safety outlet because I'm about to get sacked." Max Crosby's all up in my ass like a wedgie. Travis Kelsey not really getting open anymore, and we're seeing the result of that. Rashi Rice, obviously another big game, 12 targets on 44 attempts from a home. So if you got Rice in Dynasty, he's going to be a player. He's going to be a player for you. Um, I can't imagine that they do not attack the wide receiver market, either via free agency or the NFL draft again. I mean, they've, they've, they've been trying. They should probably go the free agency route of not, like, They've done that, but like in a shit way. Like they keep signing like the MVSs, the Richie James, and thinking that's going to be like the fixer. And they've invested back to back second round picks. Rashi Rice and Sky Moore, both second round picks. Hit on one, didn't hit on the other one. 
it's great. But like, if you want a real full-time staying power type player, you're either going to have to use your first round pick or you're going to have to sign somebody big in free agency like T Higgins or, or, you know, one of those dudes. So we'll see what they do in the offseason. The other thing to note, Jerick McKinnon, he's on the IR. Isaiah Pacheco started off hot, got into the end zone, suffered a concussion in this game. So if he is out for next week's game, Kansas City plays against the Cincinnati Bengals, who don't have a good defense. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, again, is probably going to be the workhorse back here. You got both McKinnon and Pacheco out. Clyde's going to be in for 20 touches. So I think that Clyde... There's a very good chance he's my top waiver wire pickup of the week, depending on Pacheco, you know, going through. But again, like for the waiver wire this week, what you're doing is you're trying to get the guys with the highest one week upside. And Clyde certainly fits that. Billiams. Jacksonville, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay took care of Jacksonville. They were up 30 to nothing at one point. Trevor Lawrence looked bad. He injured his shoulder. I think there was just a report that came out that said uh, Doug Peterson says that Trevor Lawrence's shoulder sprain is progressing, albeit sore, but better today than yesterday. We'll see where he's at tomorrow. It's too early to tell if he'll be able to practice this week. Trevor Lawrence has been a tough dude. He's been playing through a lot of injuries, but he might not be able to suit up next week, which is a big hit to this entire offense. It makes Travis Etienne really tough to trust. Uh, Ingram and Ridley will continue to eat up a ton of targets like they did in this game, both big, actually huge games for both of them because Kirk's on the IR and um, Zay Jones is ruled out. Now, if Zay Jones is out again, then I think you could play Ingram and Ridley pretty pretty solidly regardless of who's at quarterback because those two just take up so much of that offense. On the flip side, Baker continues to cook. Rashad White, 20 carries, 39 yards. Disappointing day on the ground, but he does get into the end zone. He also catches six balls for 38 yards, so he continues to be a rock-solid uh, RB1. Mike Evans, seventh for 86 and two touchdowns. His unbelievable year continues. I want to see where he's sitting at right now in fantasy rankings. He's got to be like top fucking seven or six. Mm-mm, fucking top three. Holy, he's top three in total points. But if you go by points per game and half PPR, he is the wide receiver six. Tyreek, CeeDee Lamb, Keenan Allen, Amon Ra, Justin Jefferson, Mike Evans, A.J. Brown, Debo, Jamar Chase, and Puka. Half PPR points per game. Chris Godwin surprisingly actually had he put together two good games in a row. Not great. I mean, if you're in a half PPR league, you know it's just just north of uh, ten points, but a pretty good PPR performance. And Tampa Bay plays against the New Orleans Saints next week. And the New Orleans Saints are definitely a team that you could. They're not like the the old great defense that we've kind of uh, been familiar with over the last few years. You could probably play both of them. Let's move on to Green Bay and. Carolina. Uh, Jordan Love was playing without I wanted to put Aaron Jones in my RB1 on the weekend for this reason. 21 carries 127 yards, but I was scared. The reason I didn't was because if A.J. Dillon played, he was going to get some annoying work, and he did. He got the goal line touch. So, Aaron Jones, big game. Relatively trustable, and I think the big takeaway here is like, we have no idea what's going on with the wide receiver group here, right? Because Christian Watson still dealing with the hamstring. Jaden Reed dealing with probably a turf toe. Uh, Dontavian Wicks hurt his chest. He had two targets, caught both of them, 29 yards and a touchdown. So he's probably on his way to a big day, Uh, but he leaves. So there's a chance all three of them play next week. There's a chance none of them play next week. If that's the case, obviously Romeo Dobbs is pretty much a must start. 
Tucker Craft becomes a must-start at the tight end position. I think it gives a boost to Aaron Jones, who will probably see much more involvement in the passing game here. So um, that's a situation that's really, really fluid right now, the wide receiver group in Green Bay. On the flip side, Bryce Young, 300 yards, two touchdowns. How we doing? Did I even make a fucking thumbnail for this video now that I'm thinking about it? Yeah, I did. Okay. How did I forget that? It was actually a fucking fire thumbnail. Coop. Day it is. I was working on a thumbnail. I was, I just made that face like the, I was, you know, the kombucha meme face with that girl who's like, I was going to do a reenactment of that. And I started making it. I worked on it for like 45 minutes. I took one look at it and I was like, this is the biggest piece of shit thumbnail I've ever made. It was so bad. So then I thought I just worked on it for so long. I thought I just scrapped it. And I was like, I'll get back into like a creative state again, like later in the day. So it made me think that I forgot to make a thumbnail. But lo and behold, here we are. I made a fucking thumbnail and you guys clicked on it. So I appreciate you. Uh, Chuba Hubbard. 16, 43, touchdown, continues his, uh, uh, obviously not a stellar stretch, but in terms of volume, stellar stretch down the stretch. Continues to be a fantasy factor. DJ Chark, huge game, 6 for 98, two touchdowns. Uh, no no actual takeaways here because you're not starting any Carolina Panther outside of Chuba Hubbard next week when they take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. I guess if they're without T-Law, we might see some success from this, from this offense because Jacksonville's defense is not good. Um, but Chuba's pretty much a must start at this point. Detroit, Minnesota. Shout out Detroit. Oh, I need some water. My throat's on fire for some reason. Give me like uh give me like 60 seconds or so, and I'll be right back. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Ah, thank you guys for being patient. Detroit, Detroit, Detroit. Goff gets it done. Both running backs get it done. Jameer Gibbs, 1582 on the ground. Montgomery, 17-55-1. Amara, 12-106-1. 14 targets. Good Lord. Like, this is the box score that I'd imagine the front office of Detroit pictured in their mind after leaving the NFL draft. Jameer Gibbs. That boy is, that boy is good. Good. Good God. He is good. Seven targets also. Second behind Amon Ra. Doesn't do much, but, you know, you sprinkle on four or five points in fantasy through the air along with that rushing line, you're going to give some people problems. So Gibbs, he's an RB1 next year for sure. I know so many people will make the, the, the argument that Dave Montgomery's still there. Like, does it fucking matter right now? Does it matter? 
No. David Montgomery should be drafted highly next year, too. He'll probably end up with double-digit touchdowns. Probably won't rush for, you know, 1,100 yards or even put up, like, 12, 1,300 yards from scrimmage. But he'll score double-digit touchdowns. He'll be nice. He'll be a, a rock-solid, you know, fifth-round pick-ish. Amon Ra, Goat, Jameson Williams, continuing to be more and more involved in this offense, but, like, just... He's just been living on the floor. He, he's not really making any big plays. You so can't trust him. Disappointing day from Laporta, but that's kind of the ebbs and flows of the tight end position. You don't really know what you're ever getting. But Laporta is one of the few guys that does give you crazy upside at the position. We look at the other team. Nick Mullins, terrible four interceptions. Ended up going over 400 yards, but, like, this wasn't it. I thought Josh Dobbs was going to come in at halftime. He doesn't. Mullins finishes out the game and puts up some big stats. Mainly because Justin Jefferson's fucking ridiculous catch radius. Huge game from him. 6-141-1. So, if you drafted Jefferson, you made it to the semifinals. This is finally, like, what you drafted him for. And he probably propelled you to the championship. Now, there are a few injuries in this game. We've got TJ Hawkinson with a knee injury. And we've got Jordan Addison with an ankle injury. Both of them do not seem to be insignificant. Also known as both of them seem to be ones that could keep them out of next week. If that is the case, KJ Osborne tops the waiver wire pickups at the tight end or at the wide receiver position for me. They play against Green Bay. It's a big game. They're playing at home. This passing offense put up stats. No matter who's really at quarterback, Jefferson will probably go for like a buck eighty. But behind him, Hawkinson and Addison been eating. If they're not getting it done, I even think Brandon Powell's not a terrible pickup. You could do worse in PPR leagues with him at your flex, I think. Um, but KJ Osborne, he's made, he made some big time plays, man. He's been he's been a real part of this offense when they've asked him to. So with with them two on the mend, be very, very, very focused on the injury reports for the Minnesota wide receivers. Running back, uh, Ty Chandler, terrible game, 8 for 17, but he does get into the end zone, doesn't catch a single pass. Alexander Madison, uh, random report kind of came out and said that he was going to play less than 100%, gets two carries, negative one yards, does not catch a pass either. So you're talking about 10 running back carries in this game to 36 passes, but that's what happens when Detroit kicks your fucking ass. So um, not much to take away here. I would pr- I would play Ty Chandler again, I think. Obviously feel a little bit worse about him, and Madison will be a little bit healthier next week, but I still think he's uh, like a low-end RB2 because we've seen good games out of him. Let's move to Seattle at Tennessee. Um, I don't think anything big really to take away from here. Seattle edges them 20-17, to 17, I believe, was the score because I had Tennessee plus three. That didn't fucking do anything for me. Derrick Henry had a big game, sixteen or 19 for 88 and a touchdown. He also catches the pass. So he goes 99, 20 touches, touchdown. That gets it done. Tajay Spears, 9 for 40 on the ground, 5 for 27 through the air. So unless you're playing in a full PPR league, you really can't trust Tajay Spears at all. Uh, Chiggy had a random big game, can't trust him. Traylon Burks, D-Hop, both absolutely busted. Uh, Tannehill played in this one. Didn't play great. Um, played whatever. I believe Will Levis, is he's fighting to come back next week and play. And they play against the Houston Texans, who should probably have C.J. Stroud back. 
Um, so I I don't trust. Actually, let me. I want to look at the stat lines of DeAndre versus the Texans two weeks ago because they played they played the Texans in Week 15. DeAndre had nine targets but only had. 21 yards on those nine targets. So that wasn't great. I believe this might have been a big Noah Brown game, if I remember correctly. Or it might have just been a big nobody game on the Titans. Yeah, it doesn't fucking matter. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think I want to play anyone in the Titans passing game, regardless of who plays. I'll, I'll play Derrick Henry, even though he got pretty, pretty absolutely stuffed by the Texans last time around. He's Derrick Henry. You know what it is. You know what it is. Joe Flacco leads the Browns to another win over the C.J. Stroudless Texans. They're in the playoff hunt for sure. They're looking good. They're looking ripe. They're probably going to get in. Uh, but the storyline of the entire week was Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper, 11 for 265, two touchdowns on 15 targets. Imagine having him in a PPR league and losing. I don't have to imagine it because it fucking happened to me and I'll never, I'll never recover from it. It's just fucking insane. How, how sway Flacco though, 368, three more touchdowns. So this man has started four games for the Browns. He is averaging 327 passing yards so far and he's had multiple passing touchdowns in every game so far. Now they play the Jets next week. They're at home, though, and I think I'll probably get a lot of questions about whether or not to play Joe Flacco, and at this point, we're probably just overthinking it. I know the Jets' pass D is great, but Joe Flacco's been fucking phenomenal. I'm just not going to overthink that one. Those stats, 327, multiple touchdowns in every game. Just insane stats. Jerome Ford gets in on the ground. He hogs the backfield, 15 carries to Pierre Strong's five. Kareem Hunt's seven. He gets in the end zone as well. So does Kareem Hunt. Um, there's really nothing getting going through the air for the running backs. It really is, you know, start Cooper, start David Njoku, and start Joe Flacco. I would start – I'd be fine starting Jerome Ford again. Um, the Jets' run D is not, like, phenomenal by any means, and Jerome Ford seems to be the guy back there. On the flip side, Devin Singletary continues to be the guy. Only goes 9 for 44, catches three passes for 19 yards, but he's clearly, like, top dog in the pecking order. They play against – the Titans next week, which is a very tough matchup, but I think we saw... Let me see what Devin Singletary did in that game. You know what? I could probably just pull that game up because I keep going back to the box scores and not having it ready to roll. Give me about 11, 11 of them bitches. Uh, Devin Singletary, 26 for 121 on the ground, 4 for 49 through the air. So, uh, if that's any preview into next week's game against the Titans, yes, you could start him in your lineup comfortably. This is also the game that Noah Brown went eight for 82 and a touchdown. So with the Houston receiving group, Noah Brown obviously needs to be picked up, started and owned. Nico Collins did get back in this one. He saved fantasy owners kind of uh, based on him scoring a touchdown, but he only went four for 18 through the ground or through the air. I do want to check out his snap counts just to see if he was close to being a full-time player. Cause again, back from the calf injury, he was not. He only played 45% of the snaps. So expect that to go up next week as they're fighting for a playoff spot. Um, I expect that probably to jump up from like 45% to, I don't know, 60, 70%. And I think you could probably 
relatively comfortably start no uh Nico Collins and Noah Brown in your lineups, as well as Dalton Schultz, who had another big game here. Dallas at Miami. So it's one of the games of the week, I guess. Miami wins 22-20 to on a game-winning walk-off field goal. Dak played okay. 253, two touchdowns. CeeDee Lamb balls out six for 118 and a touchdown. Fergie, four for 45. Cooks gets in the end zone, but only had 14 yards. So this was kind of like exactly what we've seen all year. Like CeeDee Lamb, huge game. Ferguson, Good game, relatively involved in the offense. Cooks gets home, but not in an inspiring way. Tony Pollard disappoints, of course, because he always disappoints against good defenses. On the flip side, I'm going to be honest. Like I, This didn't really make me feel any better about Miami. Like I know they, they finally got a win against a good team, but like the way that Dallas has been playing, I'm like, is Dallas even really that good either? Like I think it's going to be way more telling to see what Miami does against Baltimore and what Buffalo does. They beat if they beat Baltimore, I'm like okay, legit. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they got smacked by Baltimore. And then we're like, yeah, Dallas just is one of the teams not playing well right now. Uh, two a two ninety three and a touchdown. Raheem Mostert eleven for forty six on the ground, but he does get in through the air, so he kind of saves you. Probably gets like 10, 12 fantasy points for you if you've been riding him all year. Just another fucking touchdown on the notch. We got some problems at wide receiver though. You've actually got some problems in general because I think Raheem Mostert left this game with a uh, a knee injury maybe. I don't think it's like too serious because he was interviewed after the game and he was in good spirits. So I think he should be fine. Uh, Jalen Waddle, though, from what I've read and heard, he likely suffered a high ankle sprain. He caught one ball for 50 yards. Uh, if he suffered a high ankle sprain, he's not going to play next week, obviously. They're, they're probably going to rest him up until the playoffs. And even then, he might miss some playoff games. So that's an issue. Won't be an issue for Tyreek Hill owners. 14 targets. We didn't even know if he's going to play, but 14 targets, 9 for 99. He's also probably playing at less than 100% on that ankle, um, but it won't really matter because he's going to be offset by all the volume that he gets and the explosive volume that he gets. I'm, I'm really curious to see what Baltimore does. You know, they have such a good secondary, and actually I want to see what happened to Kyle Hamilton. Now I think about it. He had the pretty big knee injury in that game. Is he just fine? It looked really bad, but I'm not really seeing any reports on it. Does anybody have anyone see anything about Kyle Hamilton's injury? Whatever. Fuck him. Um, so regardless, they have such a good defense and such a good secondary. I'm, and if Jalen Waddle's out, I'm really, really interested to see how they clamp down on Tyree Kill next week. Um, but obviously, I mean, you're not sitting Tyree Kill. I'm just curious. I think Robbie Anderson also suffered a concussion in this game. So there's a good chance he misses next week. Who is the next guy up? I don't fucking know. Durham Smythe had five targets. Cedric Wilson, maybe five targets. He's a, he's a deep threat with a similar, um, with a similar, like, completely muted, toned-down skill set as Jalen Waddle, where he could be a deep guy. So maybe Cedric Wilson you look at on the waiver wire. Um, Devon H. Hand, 7 for 24, so another bad game from him. And you do start to question, you know, 
you do start to question you think about next year going into next year he will be uh, a really polarizing exciting player because the highs are so high the lows are clearly pretty low but we'll also have to see what happens with Raheem Mostert like yeah he had a great year but same shit happened with Jamal Williams and they let that man walk bounced bounced you know what I'm saying so hey keep an eye on the injury report for Miami this week it's big Next up, we got the G-Men at Philly. Philly takes care of business. Tommy DeVito leaves the game. Tyrod Taylor comes in and plays relatively well. Saquon had a big game, so if you started him, good job. Uh, there's nobody else that you could play on this offense, so don't even waste your time thinking about it. Don't ask me questions about Darren Waller. Don't ask me nothing about nothing. Philly, Jalen Hurts, good game. Tush push, passing touchdown, etc. DeAndre Swift finally gets a rushing touchdown. Huge, huge for the program. 20 for 92 and a touchdown. So he uh, he acted like a workhorse. Didn't catch any passes. Kenny Gamewell goes 3 for 38 through the air. But other key players got home. A.J. Brown, 6 for 80. Devontae Smith, 4 for 79. A touchdown. Dallas Goddard, 7 for 71. So, you know, you're starting those guys, obviously. Next week, Philadelphia plays the Arizona Cardinals. So you're for sure, for sure playing all those dudes. Nothing to overthink there. <clears throat> Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. I think we're going back to the Saturday games now. Saturday, Thursday. Uh, I think this was the Thursday night game. Am I tripping or is it Saturday? I don't know. Who gives a fuck? Um, Jake Browning, three picks. Joe Mixon, stinks. What else is new? But T. Higgins. A lot of y'all probably started T. Higgins because Jamar Chase was out in this one. T. Higgins rewarded you five for 140 and a touchdown. I think I saw that there was a chance Jamar Chase plays next week. But I feel comfortable enough now with T. Higgins seeing seeing him being really healthy, seeing him back to like an alpha role with Chase out. You're obviously starting both of those guys. I've been on the fuck Joe Mixon bandwagon for about two years now. But you know, they play KC, he gets a lot of volume, et cetera, et cetera. He's got a terrible floor. Like he's just not good. He's he's he just he has no explosion to his game, you know? Um, so it'll start him. Low end RB two in my books. Pittsburgh, Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph leads the Steelers to a touchdown, or uh, to a fucking, to two touchdowns, but to a win. Najee Harris, 19 for 78 and a touchdown. George Pickens, he was obviously the story of this game. Four for 195, two touchdowns. Again, sat him. Sat his ass. Sat his ass for Drake fucking London. Two weeks ago, I played Pickens over London, or three, whenever, whenever London had like 190 fucking yards, I played Pickens over London, you know? Really makes you question how fucking stupid you are sometimes this game. Huge game for Pickens, which means naturally um, huge letdown coming next week. This uh, Realistically, listen, these these recaps are, are for me to give you what I think matters in these games, projecting for the future. Here's a couple things at play. Kenny Pickett might be healthy enough to play next week. There are a lot of people that think Mason Rudolph gives him the best chance to win, but they're in a weird spot, Pittsburgh, like trying to figure out their quarterback situation. Rudolph's obviously not the QB of the future. They don't know how they feel about Kenny Pickett, I don't think. So despite Mason Rudolph playing this well, I don't know if he gets another start. It might be back to Kenny Pickett next week because they got to find they got to figure out what the fuck he is, you know? So that doesn't make me feel good for George Pickens. Deontay Johnson, you know, I like him better still going forward than George Pickens for this year. But, like, as you can see, his floor, 2 for 15, is going to kill you. I think um, I think they're both, like, low-end wide receiver threes for the most part. Pickens is more athletic. He's got a higher ceiling because he could break any given play for a huge touchdown, obviously, as we saw on 
whenever the fuck this game was, Thursday, Saturday, your mother's ass. Buffalo barely gets it done against Los Angeles. This was the Saturday night game. Uh, James Cook, relatively disappointing game after everyone kind of had him pegged as, you know, RB1, 2, or 3 on the week. 20 for 70, didn't catch a single pass after being super involved through the air in most of the last month since Joe Brady took over as the OC. Not worried about him at all. Gabe Davis has a random big game. Stephon Diggs now put together like four or five not great games, man. We did see Uncle Lenny. Uncle Lenny, they were like, it's playoff time. Let's get playoff Lenny involved. Let's get playoff Lenny involved. Five for 20. I don't know. Got me excited. Anytime I can see Fat Lenny on the field, Fatty Fournette, gets me a little fucking yacked up. Gets the traps popping. Cool, I guess. Not like I took Latavius Murray anytime touchdown score. You did? You said you did you did that? Oh, couldn't have been me. Definitely not me. Um, yeah, so Gabe Davis, uh, good chance he gives you zero points next week, but this is the kind of upside he has, so I guess you could do work. You know what? You know what we need to start doing? Rather than just like going back and forth every single week about whether or not a player is good, I wish like um I was having this conversation. It might have actually been on a, a video that we did. I think every player, or at least every quarterback, should have a a score that's attached to them. And I'm not sure what it actually represents, but I think it's like some some sort of consistency score where it sets expectations for a player. So like Mahomes, maybe a bad example coming off his worst game, but Mahomes will be like a 95. And maybe that means like 95% of the time he's going to give you a really good game. So it, what what I think of being having a number attached to a player that is like their number would would stop everybody from like jumping ship from one take to the next take on a week by week basis. Where like Justin Herbert, for instance, would be like a 65. People love him, but like he's consistent or he gets shit done on like a 65 percent basis. So when he flops, which happens all the time. We're not like, holy shit, Justin Herbert sucks again. We're like, no, he's just a 65 player. You know what I mean? Like, his consistency is at 65. We need some sort of better system rather than the insufferable, like, way that content works in the NFL and fantasy space. Like, everyone just jumps back and forth every single week. We just need more of a consistency meter so that when a guy has a good game, we're like, yes, his consistency is like, he's a fucking 72. Or he's a four or Gabe Davis is a fucking 42 where it's like, okay, we're not surprised. He has big games, but more often than not, he's not going to give you those big games. You know, it's like this game from Gabe Davis. Does this make you trust Gabe Davis anymore? No, literally means nothing to me. It's cool that he has this in his bag, but it don't mean shit to me. Stefan Diggs, though, I don't know, man. Diggs is starting to worry me a little bit. I do want to look at, they play the Patriots next week. And the Patriots, you know, obviously not a great defense. Don't matter. But I want to see historically, because they play twice every year. So I'm imagining that the defense that Bill Belichick conspires against the Bills is probably relatively consistent. And it probably leads to trying to target Diggs a little bit. So they played in week seven at New England. Diggs, 12 targets, but only six catches for 58 yards and a touchdown. We look at last year. 10-7, 104 in a touchdown. The game before that, 9-7-92 in a touchdown. Going back to two years ago, they kind of shut him down. Three for 60, 451. 
seven for 85 and a touchdown. So I'm not too worried about Diggs, I guess you could say. I don't really know what's going on there, man. I think they've been like really, really run heavy. That's one of the things, obviously. Like Diggs still had eight targets on 21 Josh Allen attempts, which is like a 40% target share. They carried the ball 30 times in this one to 21 pass attempts. So it's like, it's like less of a, it might be less of an Allen Diggs thing and more of just like the way that they're operating right now. And playing against New England, you would imagine that try to keep it on the ground probably. Um, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. You're not sitting Stefan Diggs. I just took like 40 minutes to tell you not to sit Stefan Diggs. What am I doing out here? Uh, Easton Stick takes five sacks. Austin Eckler, 15 for 65. Doesn't get it done through the air either. Doesn't get into the end zone. So the only real takeaway here is like we don't know what's going on with Keenan Allen. Uh, he sat out two games in a row now. Does he just sit out the rest of the season because they keep losing? Does he come back in? If he if he doesn't come back in, you can like kind of start Palmer and Gerald Everett with decent flex confidence, like eight targets each for those guys. They've been a consistent part of the offense since Easton took stick uh, took over. So I feel okay about those guys. I don't really feel okay about anybody else. Um, Eckler, I'm I'm, I'm really. I don't know. I'm really intrigued to see what happens in the offseason. Like he needs, I feel like he needs to have like two explosion games at the end of the year for him to really get any traction in the market. Because I think it's, I, I could see him going to like the Patriots. That would be, that would be like kind of a stellar fit. He'd be like an upgraded Danny Woodhead. The problem, the problem is, I think a lot of teams are probably going to look at Eckler, especially coming off like his worst season in quite a while maybe ever and they're going to remember the dalvin cook signing this offseason you know and they're going to be like ah you're you're probably just the next next dalvin cook like the end of your career is here we see it in plain sight the efficiency numbers are down i still question whether or not the end of this season had anything to do with the high ankle sprain because he was playing well in the beginning of the year had the high ankle sprain and now he can't really get shit done even though he looked fine in this game relative um gonna be really intriguing to see where he ends up and I believe the last game we have is Chicago, Arizona. Chicago takes care of them. Justin Fields, just want to say, he's like the QB five on the year in points per game. And I want to say, oh, no, no, he's he sorry. He's the QB nine or 10, but he had a game that he left very early where he only scored like four or five fantasy points. And that was when he missed, you know, a bunch of weeks after that. If you take out that game where he only played a handful of snaps, then he's the QB five in points per game this year. So Fields ended up being on the right side of fantasy where I really, really liked him and wanted him and drafted him early. We don't know what his future holds, though. Another big game, 9 for 97 and a touchdown on the ground. But I don't know what the real-life Bears want to do. He's showing that he can man a team, though. And I love what I've seen from Fields over the last month or so. Problem is, we got some injuries going on here. DJ Moore injured his ankle, I think. Uh, Cole Komet injured some shit, too. So they could be without their two top pass catchers and that's gonna be devastating because they were already down weapons so keep a close eye on those two you might be without them backfield we had a random Deontay Foreman healthy scratch I think it was a healthy scratch in this game so another flip of the script in terms of who leads the backfield here Cole Herbert 20 for 112 on the ground and a touchdown Roshan Johnson 9 for 37 also catches three passes for 16 yards so Predicting the Chicago backfield has been really tough unless they're down one of those guys. So if Deonta Foreman is a healthy scratch, like when Clue Herbert was hurt, Roshan Johnson was hurt, felt good about starting Foreman. Now, if Foreman's a healthy scratch again, I feel relatively good about starting Clue Herbert next week. 
Uh, they play Atlanta at home. I'm not scared of that defense. So um, if Foreman, again, healthy scratch, I feel I, I think Herbert's like a pretty good RB2. On the flip side, Kyler, 232 touchdowns through the air. Uh, also goes 5 for 32 on the ground. James Conner, 12 for 45, but does catch five passes, 67 yards, and he touched down through the air. So he goes over the 100 yard, the, <clears throat> the 100-yard mark. Come on, Nick. We're getting to the finish line here. And a touchdown. So he did you he did you right. Trey McBride, a little bit of a flop game, but still had eight targets, 6 for 31. So PPR or tight end premium, he kind of got home for you. But they're just without so many weapons right now. They are they're they're down tremendously at this point. The Arizona Cardinals, I don't even know what they are. Um, but they play Philadelphia next week, so Philly should have a field day on them. Philadelphia's pass defense is not good though, so I don't know. You you could start Kyler. I I, yeah, I think you could probably do better than Kyler at that point. Um, you're definitely starting Trey McBride again. You could start James Conner, but I wouldn't be surprised if he had a little bit of a flop game here, but. Who knows? Maybe you can't do better at this point. Hang. All right. Well, that was uh, all 8,000 games that happened over the Christmas weekend. We've got championship weekend coming up this upcoming Sunday, Saturday. What, what kind of slate of games do we got, actually? Can the NFL stop? Like, they got to stop taking up the entire weekend because they put games all day Saturday. And I'm like, I like, like, I'm forced to fucking watch them. It just needs to stop. All right, we got a Thursday night game, Jets at Browns. And we got one Saturday night game. I could live with that. I ain't really doing shit on a Saturday night, you know? I might be. But I could live I could live with one Saturday night game, Lions at Cowboys, great fucking game. How are the Cowboys six-and-a-half-point favorites? How the fuck does that make sense? Uh, and then the rest of the games are Sunday. We have no Monday night football. Interesting. Unless I'm tripping, I'm not seeing it. No, I don't think we have a Monday Night Football game this week. We have Packers at Vikings for Sunday night, but because we went Saturday, there's no Monday night. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so, as always, you know, if you're in your championship matchups, I do a Q&A. It's a private Q&A only for Big Dog members, which you could sign up for on bdge.co. BDG.co will get you access to the membership, which gets you access to our waiver wire rankings, our weekly rankings, and our private Q&A. In the offseason, we will continue to do a lot of dynasty-focused stuff. So we'll have our dynasty rankings. We're working on a trade calculator, and we'll probably dive into Q&A Salt for the dynasty heads. But we will be launching a dynasty-focused only YouTube channel. Stay tuned for that. I love you. Thank you for hanging out with me. Hank. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.